0: Blue is the color. Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. I'm John Bucks, joined as always by Brian Chin. And today we're going to do something a little different. We're trying out a new medium, which is video. So now you have to listen to our horrible voices and see at least one out of two, pretty painful to look at faces. But we're going to dive into Brian's wildcard team while on a little bit more of a casual note enjoying some whiskey. So cheers to our listeners. Cheers to you, Brian, and let's dive into it.
1: <laughs> this is, uh, you know, wild carding with whiskey. First, first edition, episode one here, Bucks. We're going to keep it loose, keep it casual. You know, usually we have kind of a rundown that we make sure to go through for our listeners, but this is just going to be some free-flowing banter. This is one of the best times to have a drink and take a look at your blank slate where you get to pick a new team on wild card. So I'm super excited for this.
0: Absolutely. Cheers to that. Cheers to a successful wild card for you, Brian. And uh, after we each have a strong sip here, we're going to dive into <laughs> Brian's rationale for diving into a wild card in advance of game week. Kate, cheers.
1: Yeah, Bucks, what kind of whiskey are you drinking? First and foremost, let's inform the listeners of these tastes we have.
0: Sure. So I'm a big uh, smoky kind of guy. I love me some barbecue. So the whiskey of choice for me is High West, uh, followed close second by Bullet Bourbon. But this is uh, some nice High West. I shared some with a neighbor who gave me some ice cubes. Uh, we're having some real good Brooklyn vibes here today.
1: How about Very yourself? nice, very nice. I'm a bourbon guy, so I like to have uh, just, a, just a staple, the maker's mark, you know, pretty cheap, get it everywhere. It's always in my house. So I go with that and I mix it up with some Japanese whiskey from time to time. Um, that's always a good birthday gift for me. So I uh, have some of that on the shelf as well on the bar cart.
0: Nice. Uh, you fancy like yam- Yamazaki or are you going uh, a little lower shelf than that?
1: <laughs> a little lower shelf at the moment. But uh, one day when I own a house, I will definitely be putting in a bar and building out that whiskey section. So I have more, about, have about two fingers here. So looking forward to uh, getting loose a little bit and talking yeah. a wild card.
0: I'm using the world's greatest dad cup. Uh, This is normally one of my coffee staples, but uh, we want a little stronger tonight. And uh, (laughs) Brian's diving in a little bit more to the Farron Torres level of bourbon, as opposed to going all in with a Jack Grealish or KDB uh, (laughs) top shelf kind of blend. Uh, Let's get into it, Brian. Why are you choosing to wildcard before game week eight? Give give me and the listeners a little bit of preview uh, behind your thinking.
1: Yeah, I've just made my last two transfers in game week seven. I brought in Alonzo and brought in Sar. Those are both one week punts because actually two game weeks ago I decided I was going to wild card. Right now I'm sitting, you know, roughly about 355 KOR, so it's a good time to switch up my team and just get some differentials in the squad. I think you know we've seen a pretty clear template actually mm-hmm. evolve right now, so it's time to buck that trend and bring in some new players. And after looking at my team. And I would suggest this for anybody who's thinking about wild carding, you know, if you're going to make over, you know, eight or nine moves, definitely, you know, it, it's a time where you can think about wild carding. And I think all up, when I look at my team, um, I'm going to probably make close to 11 different moves um, and keep a few players from my squad previously. But 11 moves is is a lot of tinkering bucks and a lot of different uh, thoughts going on early mornings, late nights, dreaming about it. So. That's where my mind's at right
0: now for sure and just for some context to the new fpl players there are only 15 players that are allowed on your team from any week in week out lineup so brian's really going out with the old in with the new is what he's discussing right. of doing on his wild card and that's interesting because i feel like 300k you know eight almost eight game weeks into the season that's a pretty strong place to be and you know really start your ascension following the wild card so i Who are the players right now that are in your squad who are locks? And then we can kind of dive into what's what needs to change for you to feel like you're gonna have a successful run uh, for the next few game weeks, Brian.
1: Yeah, sure. So just to go through my mentality in my game week one squad, you know, I had a dead player in my third striker position. And now now that we're and and that's fine because I knew I was always going to get to a point where I was gonna wild card and then set myself up for the long term. So when you are wild carding, you could go up to 20-25 weeks without triggering your second half wild card. So you want to get some picks in your team that are going to really set you up for a long time. And some of those foundational players, obviously Mohamed Salah, nothing more needs to be said. He's a captain option week in and week out. Yeah, we all hail the king from, from Egypt, the pharaoh. And uh, other players that will be staying on my wild card most likely is still Antonio. I think I've seen a lot of wild card tinkers of him being removed, but he's still a very explosive player, and at his price, I think he's uh, you know delivering great value. So those are two guys that are staying addition of a really strong line. So this is something where I am very interested in having potentially a double up with City defense and a double up with Chelsea defense. So Bucks, give me your thoughts there. Chelsea and Manchester City, you know, you're looking at those players over the course of many, many game weeks. Again, I don't want to spend very many transfers on defenders. So bringing in the likes of Cancelo, Diaz, Rudiger, maybe having Trent in there. But, you know, those are kind of the top four defenders that I'm looking at. And what are your thoughts on a Manchester City double up in priority uh, compared to a Chelsea double up?
0: Yeah, it's a great Place. And I think a lot of wild card managers are having similar questions. So, you know, you mentioned Trent very late. I right. was going to ask you about Trent. I think Trent, for me, is still an essential. He is flagged right now with a groin injury. So we have another week and you have another week of your wild card tinkering to figure out how severe that injury actually is. And if he's going to miss time, that'll obviously change the calculus. But
1: for me, yeah, City, I
0: mean- sorry.
1: For for that calculus, Bucks, I'm you know making sure that I have multiple drafts with Trent in my team and without because if we get more news closer to the Watford uh, match and he might be benched, you know I don't want to have him in my squad uh, because then they play Manchester United, I believe, right after that. So it is an opportunity to potentially go without Trent for a few weeks if he's not going to start that cupcake fixture versus Watford.
0: Yeah, fair shout. So I mean, for me, the way I look at the season right now at this point in time city are head and shoulders above the rest of the defenses in the league i would say the next tier probably include teams like chelsea surprisingly teams like brentford and then a half tier below that would be a team like brighton um, who are showing some class at the back and are have some easy fixtures coming up as well so i definitely think that the city double up for the money is the way to go notably they are slightly more expensive. I mean, those two players, Diash and Cancel are both in the 6 million range where you can get two regular starters for Chelsea, whether it's Tony Rudiger or Andres Krinschensen or even going big, which he's very expensive right now, a player like Marcus Alonso. And you still have a million left over compared to the two city players. So it really depends how you're thinking about building your team. You know, just to step back a little bit, Brian, what I'm hearing from you is you're going big at the back for certain. So whether you have Trent or you don't, you know, you're going to have at least four premium defenders when you come back into the FPL game in game week eight. Is that set in stone? Are you hard on that, that logic?
1: No, I'm not set in stone on that logic, but I do have three absolute locks in my back line if Trent is healthy and that would be Trent. Cancelo and Rudiger. So every single one of my wild card drafts have those three. Um, you know, I think there's a really good shout for having, you know, somebody like Diaz, who's Mr. Reliable. He's one of the first names on the team sheet with, um, Pep, but you could also go with, you know, Aspilicueta. He's 6.0 right now. He's a great option uh, with Reese James kind of in and out on the lineup. He can either play kind of the uh back line or play wing back in Chelsea's system under Tuchel. So I'm considering those two guys as well, but I mean I think there is really good value in Duffy and Livermore and that's why I could see myself shifting funds if I if I need to to kind of power up my midfield which is something that I'm thinking about as well. So I guess that's for awesome. me bucks I'm hmm. I'm really trying to figure out you know what is my optimal lineup um and I, I'm just a little bit worried about some of the rotation at Chelsea. And that's something that kind of puts me off of somebody who's attacking like Alonzo or, you know, Chilwell started at 6.0 in this season and he's already down to 5.6. And that that's somebody who is definitely a risk, but could be really high reward um, given that he's, you know, his first start in the league, he already scored a goal. He had a number of shots in that uh, Southampton game, but it's just one of those things. It's like, if I'm building a wild card to have a deep bench, then I could take a punt on him. But if I don't have, you know, one or two playing, um, if I don't have more than, or if I don't have two playing uh, bench, you know, guys, then that could be really trouble. So, I think I'm just really leaning towards having two city guys instead of two Chelsea defenders at this point.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you brought up Chola. I was going to save his name for a little later, but I think he's actually one of the players who is not being talked up about enough. For players that are going into wildcard he's finally fully fit he's finally yeah, in the same sure. shape and I think listen we just watched Marcus Alonso go on international duty play for Spain and he looks spectacular he's definitely playing the best football he's ever played in his entire career and he's really like in it however he's not getting any rest this break whereas Chilwell is at home he's at training with Chelsea those are all positives for him and I think that he's probably going to get the game, that next game that they have, um, which is a pretty easy fixture. So again, it's just the way you're thinking about building your team out. And for me, as we've discussed in earlier episodes, I always want to have flexibility to have a playing bench. So having a little bit more money tied up in my three bench players is always going to be worthwhile for the style of play that I like to implement. But I can understand why a player like Livermento having him in your fi- in your third bench slot at 4.2 million, knowing he's going to play every single minute probably this whole season, that has huge value to allowing you to be a little risky, be a little daring, and double up on Chelsea and City, who do have a reputation under these two managers of being heavy in rotation. So I like the way you're thinking. I do think it's interesting. The TAA is really the, the missing jigsaw puzzle piece. I mean, he's so expensive. He's such a premium player, but he's worth it. So if he's healthy and he's going to be getting minutes for Liverpool, you definitely want him in your side. The real question is, you know, what percent of TAA are we going to be getting game week eight? And then, you know, potentially, as Brian mentioned, there are some tougher fixtures dotting his schedule up until I believe it's game week 13, where it kind of gets smooth again.
1: Yeah, I think that's really interesting because if he has a bad groin injury and he misses Watford, then he plays Manchester United away, Brighton at home, West Ham United away, and then Arsenal at home. So, like this could be like a, a moment where maybe if he's not going to play that Watford game, that I skip him and I just go double Chelsea, double city, because they have easy fixtures. I mean, Chelsea's playing um Brentford, Norwich. Newcastle, Burnley. I mean, those are cupcake. You expect at least three clean sheets I, out of those four I, matches. I have I a little
0: bit. I have a little bit of pause uh, with the pileup on Brentford. I think if you look at the schedule, knowing what we know now, going into game week eight, I don't expect that that's a high percentage Chelsea clean sheet. I think that the way Brentford play, the way that they've shown up against these big teams, that's really what's holding me back partially from going in on my wild card in game week eight just to digress a little from brian's wild card the reason i have yet to implement my wild card is because certain players on my team i have the double brighton defense and they're going up against norwich in game week eight. cupcakes
1: cupcakes I, man i
0: i just feel like between duffy and sanchez they're going to match the points as a player like cancello and rudiger so for me I'm going to hold at least one more week. That's just the way that I'm playing. I don't have so many red flags in my team with injuries. And like Brian had mentioned with TA, if in fact he is injured, I have a really easy way to bring in a city defender. And then I'm happy to take a hit to correct my midfield woes. Because right now there's reports that Rafinha, he's playing for Brazil abroad. And listen, he looked amazing. I definitely
1: definitely want him on my team.
0: But if he's playing for Brazil, they're in a red zone, which means he's going to have to quarantine coming back from international duties. So he's for sure not playing in game week eight. And so right there, those are easy two moves that I could do, freeze up some funds, bring in some city players, and then game week nine, I can kind of reevaluate and see maybe timing is better for my team to wildcard. So just important to remember, if you're new to FPL, if you're a veteran, you don't have to go with the masses, play your game you know, Brian's in 300 K overall, I'm about 75 K. If I lose hundred K in rank because I didn't wildcard, I feel like the spread between 50 K and 500 K right now is less than 30 points. So there's places and there's game weeks to make that back up. So you just have to play your own game. It's important to remember that.
1: Yeah. It's very, very early days, pretty tight. You know, I've, I've loved seeing that kind of uh, circulate social media and the forums for FPL just to give you a little bit of hope. You know, if you were in 25 points higher, you'd be in a great spot. So there's still tons of, um, you know, points during the season where you're going to make up those. So I think we should actually pivot right now, Bucks. Um, I'm actually going to share my screen right now and just show you what I'm thinking as one of my top wild cards. And after we've talked about the defense, um, I really want to focus on the midfield. So with Rafinha potentially not playing, I'm really thinking about having the likes of Saka in that spot, but keeping enough money in the bank for me to move from Saka straight to Rafinha, if that's something I want to do. So in this wildcard draft, yeah. In this wildcard draft, I have across the midfield, the big, the big name is Sonny boy back in the squad. My Asian brother, bring him in. He's a player that I just love to watch. And, you know, again, sitting at 350K or so, I think he's a high upside player and somebody that people won't have this game week, right? So I think that's another key part about wildcarding is where could you possibly make up some ground? Tottenham play Newcastle. And if Sun could grab, you know, a double digit haul in that game, that's an opportunity for me, especially if Rafinha is injured for a lot of other managers that he could really be a big differential this game week. And honestly, like, you know, we've both had him a, a ton last season. and I've had him, a love affair with him over, over the years of FPL. He's one of the best players in the Premier League. And even though Tottenham isn't as quality of a side, he still does the business. His returns have been, you know, really impressive. You look at, you know, 10 points against Manchester City, 10 points against Watford, 10 points against Villa in the last game. He has that ability to get double-digit hauls and has five returns in seven games, and that includes him missing uh, Crystal Palace with an injury. So, what are your thoughts on Sunny Boy in my wild card draft here?
0: So, I have two things. Listen, I love the player, and I think that Newcastle match is like you know you got to lick your lips thinking that's a delicious fixture for him to get at least one return, if not potentially more. I mean, and- Bucks,
1: Bucks. I, I'm, let me just stop you. I'm thinking about captaining him in this upcoming game week for game week eight i'm thinking of uh, i'll own lukaku i'll own sala a lot of players might captain those two guys nobody's going to captain antonio people are probably put off of ronaldo so we're going to see a huge game week where people are on you know sala versus watford as they should be but sun versus newcastle might be a really big differential to go for and that's part of why i have him in my squad this game week
0: listen i like it i just When I want a wild card, and I know you feel the same way, Brian, I don't want to be getting people for single matches. And I'm concerned because Tottenham have a tough stretch of fixtures after game week eight. They play West Ham, Man United. And then I know they have one more tough match after that.
1: I mean, Um, how how tough are those really, though? Those defenses are not, you know, West Ham plays open. I expect West Ham Tottenham to be 2-2, you know, something like that. Like, I feel like that's a pretty open game. Manchester United. Man, nah, you know, like they they always give up a goal, right? And especially when you look at Tottenham, like Kane and Son on the counter is potentially like the bread and butter, right? Like that could be a, a moment where they actually counter and for they sure, can't keep sure. up with Son's pace. So I, I think they're they're the fixtures are fine. They're not incredibly yeah, difficult, the, you know. The FBR has them as red fixtures. I think that they're fine, right? But then after that, again, I'm looking to keep some of these players for a very long time. And when you look at game weeks 12 to 15 for Tottenham, they have Leeds, Burnley, Bren, Brentham, Brentford, <laughs> and Norwich, right? Put
0: some respect on so, that name.
1: Yeah, I mean, Brent, Brentford should obviously be a three, but Leeds, Burnley, and Norwich in those four games, like son is captain material potentially in those game weeks. So that's, yeah, that's, that's also, point. again, something I'm, I'm keeping mind of. And, you know, a wild card for me is this is going to be – a kind of a long-term hold for a lot of these players so they have the quality and you know again sun has scored many goals versus city right you can score against anybody inside outside the box on the counter so i think for me too it's just like i want to have fun and i love watching sun uh in my fpl team
0: absolutely i i will say that if if this was my team I might actually be captaining one of those city defenders. I know you have Cancelo in this lineup. Um, That's real differential. And I think just what we're seeing, and this is a little uh, note and tidbit to the listeners. So far, we've had seven game weeks, six times in those seven game weeks, the top FPL point scorer has been a defender. So I really like the idea of being different. And listen, Son is a great player. He is expensive, which I think that's really really puts me off him but i think in this squad i would probably if you don't go Son as your captain i would probably even think about maybe going cancello as a, a real differential captain because his up his ceiling is higher than anyone else's on your squad that would be kind of marked as a differential
1: yeah for sure and i think he would be my vice captain in this, in this situation honestly um you know sala is going on international duty they're coming against watford he hasn't been rested at all the season. Maybe he plays less minutes. I mean, probably not, but um, just an opportunity. I think, again, I'm trying to earmark a player that other play, other managers won't have. And Sun is leading the category for me there. So, uh, yeah, I like other, it. I like it. I would just other, say, um,
0: Brian, one thing. Did you think about Sun is expensive? Did you think about maybe upgrading? I see you have uh, Wong as your third forward, and then you have... Um, you have Emblemo and Bemrama and Saka, which are all kind of on the lower end of uh, kind of budget-friendly midfielders. Did you think about yep. maybe how going from like a Sun pick to even like Grealish, who's 8 million, how that could change the way that your team looks? Did you think at all about that?
1: I mean, absolutely. Let's take a look at it right now. I mean, this is a, a clear spot where I could definitely go Phil Foden. Podino yeah i like that
0: shout i like that. and shot.
1: go jimenez instead of wang so you know this is something i've been eyeing up as well i think i would go foden over Grealish, just mm-hmm. based on the fact that you know foden can be very explosive he has an eye for a goal when he plays his stats are off the charts and he's just kind of coming into the squad he looked really spry versus um versus liverpool and pep trusts him in those big games i think Grealish is still finding his footing at City. He's going to tick along, but he's not the goal scorer that Foden is, right? Yeah. Exactly. So I think, I think I would probably, you know, potentially look at something like that if I would go, you know, Foden and Jimenez, who is still the main man. He's on Pens instead of Wang. But um, for me, I just really have my eyes on Sun because he's nailed in that spot and because, you know, Foden his minutes might be up and down. And so you just don't know. Do you want to wake up every morning and sweat the team sheet? Um, you know, that's no, not fair, something fair I want to do. Yeah. Is
0: there is there a way that you could fit both Son and Foden in the midfield? Um, so you could maybe instead of that soccer spot that you you go, you know, maybe you you can fit him in just being a little creative. Is, is that possible?
1: Man, it, it is tough. It is tough. I have I have kind of tinkered a little bit with like trying to do that. I think in my tinkers, let's see, not this one. Here we go. So here's a tinker with Foden and Son and still having Trent, Rudiger and Kinsella in the back line. And that puts me really with a dead 4.5 striker. Now, I'm not really opposed to this because that's kind of my style is have one dead bench player. But again, given the COVID season and I'm trying this season to stack my transfers as much as possible. So I want to have, you know, two transfers. You and me both. Yeah, exactly. I, I just think that if you have a stronger bench and there are some good cheap options like Duffy and Livermento specifically, if you can be in a position to get two transfers and then take a hit, to, to make three moves, which is really kind of like a mini wild card. I think that's like the most appealing way to practice patience with your picks, but also refresh your team and only be taking a minus four from time to time. So in this kind of setup, I just, I don't love it. I think, again, we don't know if Wang is completely nailed, but he's kind of been in a lot of my drafts just because he's at that price point where it's like, I don't want to start him very often. You know, I'm going to start them in select games, but in this kind of setup, I'm basically choosing between, you know, playing a 4 right? So, you know, looking at a lineup where you're picking between Duffy, and Mbomo, and Wang for two two spots out of three, that could be really strong. So, um, yeah, just, so just, again, revisiting this midfield, I'm looking at, you know, Mbomo, Mbomo, Mbomo. He booms he
0: booms And, and he bueno, bangs, he bangs. bueno bueno
1: <laughs> yeah i like I, that I really pick. like i would say he's yeah.
0: he's on, on my short list as well um it's interesting because i look more and more at a lot of these wild card drafts that are being posted in the fpl community on instagram and on Twitter obviously brian if you follow us at fpl blues podcast he's been posting a lot of his plug I- iterations It's interesting that Emblemo and Tony um, are in so many drafts and Ben Rama, who's really been a proven standout early budget pick and Antonio, that same double up duo is kind of falling by the wayside. So for me, I see Brian's kind of use that similar strategy in this draft. I would want to have Emblemo, Tony, and also Antonio. I think at this point, if you had Ben Rama, I have not been blessed to get any of the funds that he's accrued so far this season. I think it's time to cut bait on Ben Rama. You've gotten a lot of value. I agree, I agree. Um, and you want to have Antonio as long as Antonio is healthy. He's probably one of the six or seven best FPL players for the value at the in this season. So he's, I would say, essential to my team. Almost in the same category as Salah, but again, it's all. Preference, And I think what Brian's sharing is that he really wants to have son in his midfield s- slotting up right alongside Salah. He knows that they're going to be playing pretty much 90 minutes each game. And I think there's a lot of comfort and certainty in that. What Brian's now struggling with is how, how does he fill in the periphery of his team to make it so that it accomplishes, you know, having that third bench bot be someone he's comfortable potentially playing while also having pieces around him that give him flexibility to, you know, get off a soccer, or get off an emblemo if that pick isn't proving right, and bring in the player at that same price point or price bracket that uh, is in fact hitting on all cylinders. So I like what you're doing here. I would say so far, my favorite one has been the Tony Antonio Lukaku, or sorry, the Antonio Lukaku Wang draft with Sun and not Foden at in it so uh i don't know if you can go back i think that was the first one
1: yeah that's that's one of these things sorry it's our first time doing this i got multiple drafts i'm like which one was my number one favorite but i mean i I just want to touch on west ham right they're playing in their first kind of international competition right they're playing in europa and you know previously up to this point i was doubled up on both and and antonio right and those dudes have been doing the business. They look great. They look like they have good link up play. They've really delivered double digit hauls across the way. Um and now just looking at the fixtures for, sorry, I was gonna move to this one. Looking at the fixtures for West Ham, it's it's not easy, right? I mean, you're playing Everton, Tottenham, Villa, Liverpool, Wolves, Manchester City in the next six games, right? So is this the opportunity to move from? Antonio and move to Tony. Now, I still think the best 5.5 mid is Emboimo. Bueno. He's now 5.6. But regardless, I'm just a little bit wary of doubling up on both of those guys. So what would you do, Bucks, if you're on wildcard? Would you, you know, skip Antonio, who is honestly, you know, three double digit hauls in a row, has an eight pointer. He just has the potential to you know, really bring the double digits whenever he plays. And I think it was really impressive that he got the 16 points versus Leicester, who is known as a quality side, top six, top eight side. So he can do it. So, you know, what are what are your thoughts there on possibly moving on from Antonio on wildcard?
0: So Antonio is a player that I'm sticking true on. And I also have Tony since the start of the season. He's, he's cheaper now than when I bought him initially, but I think he still provides great value. The player that I haven't heard you mention that I just want to bring up is Jamie Vardy. So I've seen Mm -hmm. a number of drafts go big at the front as opposed to going big at the back, which is they have Lukaku, Vardy, and Antonio, which is a lot of funds in your forward line. And as I mentioned earlier, yeah, the defense has really been winning the day so far this season. But I kind of like that. Idea. I think Vardy is providing great value. He looks like he's playing pretty much all the important minutes for Leicester and he's a lock in that side. But I think at this point, you got to stick with what's working and Antonio, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be in my team um i'm not really so concerned with the fixtures he seems like he's at this point a little fixture proof which i love and he's only eight million and a lot of players in the fpl game got in at antonio at 7.5 million so that's a steal continue to get the value continue to count your money and you know have those singles raining whenever and wherever you need to uh for me i'd be spending it on the sneakers app but uh yeah that's uh (laughs) That's my thought. I think the interesting, what Brian's showing you, if you could take down the the Vardy player profile, um, so the teams that I was seeing with that big at the front line, instead of having a player like Son, they have a player like Gallagher in that fourth, so they go really barren in the midfield, which is again, I don't love that style, but I just think it's interesting because there's a, a part of me that is saying, well, four, three, three might actually be the best way to line up for the next few game weeks, maximizing the potential scoring output of the defense. But I think both Brian and I historically are most comfortable playing three, four, three or four, four, two. So I think what you yeah. really need to decide going into your wild card are who are the handful of players that are essential. And then what lineup do you really want to be playing week in, week out? You can't Go into a wild card and say, I'm going to be playing a three, five, two, build your team that way. And then all of a sudden, two weeks later, realize, oh, dang, I need to be playing a three, four, three or a four, four, two, because you've built your team a certain way with your funds allocated a way that kind of allows your team a certain level of flexibility. So those are all things to kind of tinker with. Um, now that I see it on your screen, Brian, with the team that you have picked, I, I, kind of disagree with my point that i made about seeing the other person's team <laughs> on twitter i like it more with son i think just by it's if you're especially if you're even thinking of captaining him i think that's uh that's kind of your way to uh to a big green arrow so
1: yeah i mean Bar- is so is,
0: interesting
1: yeah i mean vardy is a huge you know differential uh he's only owned by Fourteen percent of managers. He's been ticking along six goals. I think he's tied for with Antonio. Tied perhaps, for top. For the,
0: yep. Tied for top. Yeah.
1: Tied for the golden boot. And he really seems to be the main man, especially with Nacho not playing as much in the Brendan Rogers side. Um, with that being said, like, you know, I I just I think for me, especially on Wild Card, I'm like I want to get a player that I love, and Son is that guy. So I'm really leaning towards having Son in my lineup and um you know when we look at sun's ownership 13% so very close to yeah, very similar. still a, still a differential and somebody that is not going to be in many teams because it's a slot in your team that you would have to have basically built up to that point on you know early days right nobody really has that kind of 10 million midfielder and it's bizarre dude there's no freaking midfielders between like 8 million and 10 million in anybody's teams, It's kind of a weird year um, for that because in years past, we've had Rashford kind of, you know, nine to nine, five, he's always been an option. Son started the last season at 9 million. Um, So it's just been kind of interesting to see that, you know, Jaden Sancho hasn't become an option in FPL. Uh. There aren't really any many players there. So I feel like if I start with Son and if he were to get injured or something, he's an easy downgrade to anybody. And I could free up a lot of funds that way but nobody's really going to be clamoring for him early days.
0: Absolutely. That's a, that's a good point. Two quick things. You mentioned man United uh, and Jane Sancho, who's absolutely disappointed to start the season. You don't have any man United that I've seen in any of these drafts, any, any rationale. (laughs) Did you think at all about Lukaku next to the goat CR seven up front is that that didn't make sense for your
1: team? Did it? I mean, (sighs) I think now is the opportunity because especially with Lukaku playing Norwich in game with nine, that's the clear in a way, you know, he's a flat track bully. He's going to punish them. He's going to get at least one goal. You're almost expecting him to brace versus Norwich. And so I think it's time to get off of Manchester um, United assets. I mean, he's still, from statistics standpoint, he looks great. He looks way better than Lukaku. So this is very much a, 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 a fixtures over form type of debate. Um, but looking at you know Ronaldo, wow, Cristiano Ronaldo, dos Santos, Aviero. You love who, it, who knew names. who knew? <laughs> you, you love seeing the full names. So we're gonna have to pull up Bruno after this because I know he's got the five uh five names too. Um Leicester, Liverpool, Tottenham, City, next four, and then Watford easy potential captaincy shout in week 12, but then Chelsea in week 13. So now is the time to get off of Ronaldo, go with Lukaku in these tough fixtures. And then you can just plan to bring in Ronaldo for game weeks, really, you know, 15 through 27. Oof, that's a lot of green fixtures on the FDR from the FPL. So um, I think it's, it's the time in the season for you to go with Lukaku instead of um, Ronaldo. I, I think we haven't seen them both firing at the same time, really, to justify investing a two premium forward line. And that's why I would just have pick one of them.
0: Interesting. And then my, my next question was, so you have Lukaku, is he set in stone? Is he in every one of your wildcard drafts at this point?
1: I mean, this is the FPL blues podcast bucks. We get, we got to throw them into every single one of these drafts. I respect Um, it. I mean, I haven't owned him in in a number of years. You know, the last time I owned Lukaku in FPL was he was on um, Manchester United. So it, it feels great to have him in my side, repping the Blues, you know, and uh, um, he's a flat track bully. We've seen this in previous iterations of him in the Premier League. And I think as Chelsea figured out how to feed him and Mason Mount getting healthy, he should be getting a little bit more service. Um, I think that's one thing that, you know, we are hopefully banking on because he has not been getting, he's been holding up play, but not getting the ball back to him very often. So it's, it's kind of, I think he's doing all the right things and Chelsea just need to adapt a little bit more to feed him. But even in the last game, uh, versus Southampton, he was, you know, maybe a foot from having a brace, right? Yeah. He misses a sitter and then he's offsides by four inches on another goal. Like that, that's easily could have been a 13 pointer, right? So I think he's he's just nailed in my squad and it'll be great to have a uh, Chelsea forward that I'm you know rooting for uh, game weekend and game week out in my squad.
0: Yeah. And he looked incredible in international duty for for Belgium. He played against France, a very difficult opponent, and he he just looked the part um, his line mate on Belgium, and this is a nice transition, thank you for setting me up with that, Brian, <laughs> is KDB. KDB is now healthy. He had two assists mm-hmm. against France, arguably one of the best, most complete international teams in the world. Any thoughts on KDB? Did you think about him maybe instead of Son? Did you at all think about maybe putting the the Belgian magician in your side?
1: Honestly, no, I did not think about him at all. I think I want to see him kind of round into form a little bit more with the City team. Um, You know, he did have that goal, which was deflected against Liverpool. Still a confident shot, you know, if if he kicked it a little differently off his foot, it might have just gone in without the deflection. But, I I mean, I do love the leadership he brings on the pitch. He does look a little slow to me. Uh, I don't know if he's, you know, coming off of injury, but he kind of, like, is lumbering around a bit. Um, he's the player that very few people will have, especially his price tag. I mean, what is he like 11, Nine. Um, yeah, he's expensive. so I, mean, I think I, yeah, he's 11.9. So that's, that's somebody I have not thought about, but I would not fault anybody for going for that differential if he's one of your favorite players and like, just, Hey, make fantasy fun. Again, having Kevin De Bruyne in your team, he's only a few seasons removed from having like 200. and. Twenty points or something like that. Let's see. Previous season, yeah, some
0: crazy number. That was before my yeah. time. All right, so we've touched. Yeah, you we missed t- that. We've touched on KDB. We touched on Foden, and I mentioned Grealish briefly. One player we haven't talked about in the city midfield is Riyad Mahrez, and they're playing Burnley. And just if you look at the history books, Riyad Mahrez feasts against yep. Sean Dyche and Burnley braces
1: he's, and braces he has and, a
0: hat trick yeah. he he pretty much averages over a goal per t- per 90 minutes against his favorite side burnley is he at all in your thoughts i know he was one of your darling picks coming into this season and he's kind of sputtered out of the gates but he's not on international duty do you think he might get a look in your side
1: honestly no um wow i think he's that he's was a, a quick answer that- yeah, he's he's a player I haven't tinkered with. Like, it's just a, it's such a, a you know, pep roulette type of move to get any of their midfielders, and that's why I would much rather be double up on their defense. Yeah. Um, and I I think that that's just the way to go at this point in time with City. They seem very spread this year. You know, Gundogan's coming back off of injury as well. They're just they have too many midfielders. I almost wish they would have gotten Kane instead of Grealish uh, in this side, just so we'd have a little bit more certainty of who's starting up top and who's starting in the midfield um, because they they are so deep. But now nah, Mars isn't isn't part of my thoughts here at all. But um, Bucks, let's take a quick break and then we'll just come back with some final wild card thoughts. I know we're just bantering here back and forth, but I'm going to uh-huh. take a quick break. I'm going to have some uh, water, maybe refill a little bit more of my whiskey and then we can uh, do the last ten minutes and wrap it up here. Sounds good. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the NFL Blues podcast. Special edition of Wild Carding with Whiskey. Cheers to you, Bucks.
0: Cheers. We're almost through the glass, so that means we're almost at the end.
1: I like it. I like it. So before we get into my final top two wild card contending teams, I just wanted to have a quick discussion on what you think about the kind of 6.5 million pound midfielder bracket. And specifically I'm between Rafinha and Saka in that slot. So I know there's obviously all of this news coming out that Rafinha is going to miss the upcoming game week, which is very difficult uh, to hear difficult news because he's really been informed. He's obviously returned numerous times for Brazil in, um, I think he had what, two assists, I believe. Um, yeah. And he just really looks quite solid. So there he's gonna miss the Southampton game. And for some reason, FPL Towers has Wolves as a as a two. I think that's probably a three fixture difficulty rating. So, you know, could you go without Rafinha for two matches and think about upgrading him right before that Norwich match instead? What are your thoughts? Because I'm really kind of tinkering around that, you know, what's the the opportunity cost of? Using a transfer to upgrade Sokka to him in two weeks, or just put Rafinha on the bench for this upcoming game week. So again, Crystal Palace versus um, Arsenal in game week eight is a very good fixture in in my eyes because I think the attacking style that Arsenal is um, going to be playing versus Crystal Palace it should be an open game. Maybe a, you know two one or you know multiple goals in that game. So this could be a good differential as well with Sokka being less than twelve percent owned. What are your thoughts here kind of in that bracket? And um, by the way, I've booted Ben Rama from my side. He's no longer part of my team, but he's another player that a lot of managers have in that kind of 6.5 million pound bracket.
0: So I think just straight away, game week eight, obviously I like Saka more than Rafinha. He's going to actually play. And if you play, you have the potential to get points. Rafinha is likely not even gonna make the trip. So uh, he shouldn't really be in your wildcard team's short-term thinking. However, I agree with you. I think in that way, you're kind of banking a transfer here. That makes me a little nervous because right now, Rafini is actually 6.6 million. I think that once he comes back and he's for sure playing, he's gonna be one of those really popular transfer targets back into people's squads. I know if I'm going to wildcard in game week nine, which is part of my thinking, maybe game week 10, then Rafinha is for sure going to be in my squad for either of those options. Game week eight, I have him right now. He's one of those players that's maybe on the chopping block because I need to have at least three playing midfielders. And I definitely don't want to be playing Yves Basuma, who right now is on bail for Oof. some uh, heinous <laughs> actions. Uh off the pitch so we'll leave it at that i mean i think soccer i mean
1: people people are trying to party post lockdown bucks we're seeing a lot of uh we uh, don't uh, we don't venture into that space
0: no 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 (laughs) no 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 Uh, we're gonna keep this pg 13 for the listeners however i do think that soccer is one of those alluring targets at under 6.5 million he's definitely a goal scorer whereas esr and odegaard are more creators so i think he commands that value my only concern is that arsenal have really they're still figuring it out they've looked much better obviously the last few matches but i'm not sure if they're actually the team we saw in the first three games of the season or if they really are this you know top quality side that's going to be competing potentially for european football i'm not quite there yet to say oh arsenal they they understand the recipe for success for their squad I can't jump that far as of yet. I think the Ramsdale edition, I have Ben White. I see Ben White's on this wild card draft for you. I mean, I think I have a lot more certainty that they figured something out in defense. There's still a mm-hmm. lot of unknowns who the best attacking options are for Arsenal. And so Saka does have some rotation risk, whereas a Gallagher or maybe a Decore or Damari Gray, they are locks right now. And yes, they might not have as great of fixtures, but you know they're going to be playing. And if those Everton boys are playing, they're getting results so far this season. So I think there are definitely interesting options around that price point. But for you, I think banking the transfer, if you solve all your other problems with this game week eight wildcard, you can afford to plan going into game week nine that you know, hey, Saka is turning into Rafinha that's no harm, no foul. And, and then you're getting the guys you want for this game week, while also setting yourself up for success for game week nine and beyond. So I like that strategy.
1: Yeah. I think this is a spot where I'm going to actually build a wild card to have depth. And, you know, I would not usually recommend trying to plan transfers two weeks from now, because who knows who gets injured, who knows who gets COVID, who gets rotated and who becomes a flag in your team. But, Given that I'm going to have really two strong playing bench players in Huang and Duffy, I'm, I'm more confident in thinking that I'll be able to, you know, le- use a leisurely transfer to bring in Rafinha for Saka. And I just like him for this Crystal Palace matchup. When you look at the other potential players for game week eight, you know, DeCorey and Townsend, you know, Townsend's a decent shout. They're playing West Ham, you know, could definitely get points in that, but I don't think it's as good of a fixture as Saka has. And then Sar is playing Liverpool and Gallagher is playing uh, Arsenal. So those guys don't interest me as much as, you know, Saka versus Crystal Palace. And that's the reason why I'm probably going with him, but I'm leaving enough money in the bank to have Rafinha come into my squad.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Good shout. Um, Brian, before we get out of here, why don't you just give the listeners a rundown of your kind of top wildcard draft at this point in time, and then we'll s- We'll save, you know, what the final decision looks like for our episode next week, where I'll also share some of my thinking around my transfer moves and captaincy.
1: Yeah, for sure. So in goalkeeper, I have two new players. I have Ramsdale as my starter at 4.5. I think it's great value to get a 4.5 million pound player starting for Arsenal, who is traditionally top 10 side in in that slot. So that's the reasoning there. Uh, I think they're on the up and up. Foster, he's playing a lot of minutes right now with Bachman kind of injured and maybe not in form, so glad to have him because he's also gotten some saves in in matches that he's started. So then we go to the back line. So this version of my wildcard has Trent, if he's healthy, he'll be a starter versus Watford. Then I have Rudiger and Cancelo. Those guys, those three guys are going to start every single game week for me, no matter what. And then I have really good options in White and Duffy at 4.4 and 4.3 in my squad like you said a reason why you didn't wild card Duffy has um has Norwich so that's a queen sheet and potentially attacking returns as he's very active in the box and I really prefer Duffy in every single one of my wild cards to Livermento so just a note there because I think he's got goals and he's just much more attacking on a better defense in Southampton
0: yeah, that moving just into to, the midfield. Sorry, Brian, just to jump in. I, I want to second that. And that's something we were discussing offline. Livermento is slightly cheaper than Shane Duffy, but, and is he's definitely more yeah, lock. There, there are less starting caliber players in the Southampton defense than there are in the Brighton defense. However, from what we've seen, Duffy is for sure going to be playing a lot of minutes this season. He looks the part. He even looks amazing playing for home country in international break. However, as Brian mentioned, and I think it's worth repeating, Brighton are far and away a better defense than Southampton. It's not even up for comparison. So if you can have that 3.1 million to go from Livermento to Duffy, it's going to pay dividends, I think, over the course of the long run. So I just wanted to highlight that. Brian, we're both on the same wavelength on that shout.
1: Yeah, sounds good. So moving to my midfield, I have Douglas Louise as my 4.5 player. Uh, I I think he switched his haircut from the old Cisco haircut that he used to have the kind of (laughs) bleach blonde hair, but um, he's playing a lot of minutes. He's been on some corners as well for um, Aston Villa. He's got two assists on the season, just seems like a good, decent option, especially with the likes of Buendia, who is usually their set piece taker kind of in and out of the lineup. He went on duty with Argentina. He's not going to play probably in the next game week eight. So He's just a player, 4.5, he's probably the best option. Um, I would also consider Brown Hill in that slot if I needed that 0.1 very desperately because he's 4.4. Salah and Son are my two potential captaincy shouts in a midfield. Again, Son, I think is just a play that not a lot of other managers have and I want to climb rank and he seems like a good uh, you know, quality standout player who has the potential, especially if Kane rounds in form, this could be an opportunity for Sonny Boy to kind of get some assists and some more goal threat with uh, defense is not keying in on him as much. Sala, he's Sala. we got him. And then yeah. I'm going to have Imbomo for the run, especially, oh man, he. I'm, I'm going to bench him this week versus Chelsea, but he's got some great fixtures coming up, especially game weeks 10 through uh, 12, Burnley, Norwich, Newcastle, going to start him every one of those matches. So he's a player that I'm excited to own. And then Saka is the wild card right now. It's either going to be Saka or Rafinha if I don't want to use that slot. But I'm probably going to have Saka uh, there. So okay. moving up top, any other notes on the midfield?
0: No, I like it. Uh, I think we we've touched enough about the Saka Rafinha discussion. Eventually, at some point during this 38 game week season, you're going to pronounce and put respect on Emblemo's name. And you won't call him Brent Ham either. We'll get the names right. We promise, ladies and oh, gentlemen. Oh, Brent
1: Brentham is great, though, because it's like they're, they're the new up-and-coming team. We don't know who they are. We're still figuring it out. So they're, they're, looking they're looking strong.
0: They're looking strong. They're like the Sharks and the Jets in uh, West Side Story. Keep going, Brian.
1: <laughs> um, up top, Lukaku. He's going to be a captain in game week nine. He looks very strong. Um, then they have Newcastle, also a great captaincy shot in game week 10. And then I have Antonio. I'm going to ride with Antonio for a little bit longer. Um, he's a player that could either become Jimenez or become Tony. Uh, especially if I need to free up funds down the line, I'm a little bit wary of doubling up on, you know, uh, Brent Ham, but Hey, if, if I got to do it, I got to do it. So just something, I think again, Antonio has, has not done anything to remove himself from my team. So he's a guy that is just doing it time and time again. So keeping him in. And then Huang is my kind of first or second bench slot week to week. And that seems pretty strong. I don't know if he's nailed yet. And that's why, you know, he's probably the price that he is coming into the FPL game, but he's got three goals in like three or four appearances and seems to have just a, a lot more technical finishing ability than the rest of the attackers do at Wolves. And we've seen in the past, I think we talked on other podcast Bucks where, you know, Jimenez and Jota were a really good kind of two up top strike force and they had really good rapport. And so I think Wang can be kind of a Jota light in that Wolves attack. They have, you know, Traore, they have the likes of uh, Trincao and both those guys are quality players with a lot of talent, but they're not delivering what Wolves need from an attacking perspective. So he's just kind of a punt there. I don't plan to start him that many weeks, but, um, if he comes off the bench for a player who's rested, no problem at all. So that's my current wild card. I just want to talk about the only two moves that I'm thinking that would be different would be to downgrade Antonio, right? So if we took Antonio out and we just start with the likes of Tony in that slot, then I'll have the ability to, I'll have the ability to upgrade one of my defenders In the likes of maybe Duffy or White, I'm eyeing White because I have Ramsdale and Goal, and I can take him all the way up to Diaz. So, this is kind of the second alternative that I'm thinking about. And again, not a lot of players are going to be doubled up on Manchester City assets. So, this is a point where I could make up some ground especially with some good fixtures coming up. It's also a very long-term type of hold. So I'm risking a very highly owned Antonio, which I think he's got to be, what, close to 40% owned, right? Like he's going to be very highly owned. Let's double check. 45.6. So the risk is not having him in the side, but going super differential and having double Manchester City defense and then having Sun in this squad. So this honestly is very appealing to me as well. Um, is something that I could see working and being a lot more differential. I will note with this version of this squad, I do not have funds to upgrade Saka to Rafinha. So that is something that I'm going to have to figure out. But for the next few game weeks looks very strong and something I'm considering. So yeah, Bucks, that's, that's my wildcard thoughts, my tinkers. We're going to be back next week with a episode kind of answering community questions and talking about my final wild card thoughts again we never know who's going to fall down the stairs from drinking too much whiskey and maybe pick up a knock and miss game week eight so i'll be uh, paying close attention to the news trying to farm some value but um yeah thanks bucks for bouncing all these ideas off me thanks for joining me from coast to coast for a glass of whiskey
0: yeah cheers 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 to the listeners
1: and uh, it's it's a friday night so we go a little long have some whiskey it's a good time
0: yeah, and we want to thank everyone who's been listening to the FPL Blues podcast thus far this season. Uh, double thanks and appreciate you joining our FPL Blues Super League. It's been super competitive. We have almost 75 members in that league and it's going strong. Love and it. Really, we want you to engage with us. Uh, it's great hearing Brian's wildcard team, it's great getting to give you my hot takes. Week in, week out, but we really want to engage with you, the listener. That's who this is all for at the end of the day. So message us your questions about transfer moves if you're wild carding. Tell us why you're smarter than Brian and why your team's going to dominate his in game week eight and beyond. (laughs) And yeah, just get in touch with us. Again, we're at FPL Blues Podcast on all social media. You could reach us FPL Blues Podcast at gmail.com. And we're tinkering with this whole video medium and Uh, If that's too painful for you guys, as our loyal listeners, please let us know that as well. So, (laughs) thank you for taking the time to be a loyal supporter of the FPL Blues podcast. Uh, Wholeheartedly, Brian and I both appreciate you. We appreciate the start for Chelsea season. We appreciate the FPL game. It's been good to us thus far. And yeah, doubly, doubly so. Happy Friday, Brian. Good luck. Green arrows in both of our future. And we're going to be back next week with a more regular, scheduled podcast. So thanks everyone. Cheers.
1: Looking forward to it. See you guys.